welcome into the conversation. It's Adrian Lawrence, your host. And this time, I am joined by an attorney who also happens to be a candidate for Maine's second congressional district. That's Tiffany Bond. Thanks so much for joining us, Tiffany. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. All right. So, gosh, midterm elections are just around the corner. There is so much going on. And I know you have been in this fight and you've been steadily pushing forward. Where are you right now in terms of the election? Well, it's certainly been a journey and an adventure. We are in a unique spot in Maine because we have ranked choice voting. So that means there's no functional polling on our race at all. <laughs> well, that's always helpful, especially when, you know, sometimes it can be helpful, but I guess it makes you probably even more driven to get in there and to ensure that people hear your name, they know what you stand for. And so if you were talking to some of those potential or constituents out there, what would you say to them? Well, I'm in a race that's a little quirky. So we have a Republican running and he is, um, you know, he's sort of like the personification of nonsense. He He's everything that we have come to love about what is happening with the Republican Party. And we have a Democrat that's a little bit nonsense adjacent himself. Um, and I'm the boring one. I'm boring. I'm reasonable. I'm competent. Uh, I work with federal law all day long, and I just want to go write some. So it's it, it's it's been a, a journey with me talking about law, and then the men showing up in lobster gear or shotgunning beers. It's 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 a surreal experience for sure. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure you're just like, well, what do I do with this? That's um that's just not. I think you were right when you said nonsense and nonsense adjacent, because that sure seems to be what it sounds like. And I know you just talked kind of about the law and the fact that you talk about it on a daily basis as an attorney. And you've been quoted as saying that you like cost effective kind law. What do you mean by that? So I work with a lot of federal law, I'm a family law attorney. And a lot of the things that you see cross my desk. So um, the social services network crosses our desk. Um, Food stamps, it's, it's actually SNAP, but it's commonly known as food stamps. Taxes, retirement, student loan issues, disability issues, issues with veterans affairs, all of it comes across a family law attorney's desk. And I see a lot of federal spending that goes into areas that don't provide a good return on investment. For example, we spend an awful lot of money on military that doesn't necessarily generate anything back into our economy. but we shortchange people on programs like making sure that SNAP or the food stamps benefit is tied to inflation a little bit better. Same thing with social security benefits, they aren't tied to inflation well. And those programs have a really good return on investment. They generate quite a bit into our economy for each dollar spent. And so uh, as it concerns really reaching and having things resonate with the individuals there in the second congressional district in Maine, uh, what do you think has been the toughest to get them to see the value in bringing someone who's looking for the return on investment when it comes to public policies and any kind of uh, work that you do to advance them? You know, honestly, the biggest thing that I butt up against is there is not a lot of coverage of independent candidates and there is not a lot of coverage of women specifically, especially for independents. I find that almost everybody that I run into is pretty easy to have 
get on board with the campaign. Um, I have a really high conversion rate of folks I talk to. It's just that there aren't the opportunities in media. One thing that um, I, actually, I do two virtual town halls per week. And one of the things we've talked about recently, it, it, this is not just Republicans, Democrats are also doing it. There is a real inclination to step out of the public debate. There is a lot of pressure to not debate at all. So in, in the race I'm in, there were four debates scheduled. And um, I showed up to the first one alone. The gentleman did join me for the second one and then they refused to join me for the next two, they got canceled. So there's a lot of pressure to not attend sort of the, the free events that are put on and instead to just raise millions of dollars in fundraising and have curated commercials instead. And I don't think that's great for our democracy. No, I don't think it's good either, especially when it's essentially chasing capitalism as in as opposed to chasing we the people and ensuring that their voices are heard and their platforms and their positions as well. Um, and so that's incredibly disheartening and disappointing. But when it comes to your position and ensuring others have the opportunity to understand it better, what do you think that people need to hear most? Well, I, I think that I'm in a unique, I, don't, I wouldn't call it unique. I'm sure there's other people that have this, an uncommon position where the, the competency and the qualifications are not a problem that I have. Uh, I think the biggest problem I have is, is chatting with people and actually getting around the money. So I've come up with something that I think you might like. Um, instead of fundraising, I do what I call main raising. So the race that I'm in has already had $25 million spent on it. There's more ads that can than you can imagine in this race. It means a very inexpensive media market. I ask people not to do that. Please don't give me money. Take the same amount of money that you would give me and let's use a little bit of capitalism back on itself. Go shop at a small business or donate to a not-for-profit of either a shelter or for a heating oil fund um, or a food bank. And as you're doing that, say that I asked you to invest in the community. So Tiffany Bond asked me to shop at your small business or asked me to contribute to your food bank. Um, and um, I apologize for that. I am a mom as well, so you may have heard a little background noise. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I asked people to take the same amount of money they would give me and instead invested in our community. And it is um, an excellent way to, um, to make sure that the resources are going into the community. And instead of those things where we say, hey, we've wasted a million dollars or $25 million, or in the case of Maine's Senate race in 2020, a hundred million dollars, we're actually putting that into our community and into our citizens. That's a really novel approach to not only get your message out, but also to reinvest in the community that you want to represent. I would hope that that is something that will um, be very rewarding at the end of the day. Um, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see, but I will also definitely ask you, cuz I know this is your second run for the US House seat. What inspired you to run again? My kid. And it's also really stressful for my job. Um, it is it is really hard uh, and painful to be helping people reconfigure their family and their life, and have to tell them that I would really like to make sure that you are stable and healthy and happy and have a future. But I don't have the resources available to make that happen. 
And um, that is that is so heartbreaking that it is deeply motivational to try to change the system that we have available. Absolutely, and it's a powerful thing to be in the position to hopefully effectuate that change. And I'm wondering also from your first run for the US House seat, what are you doing differently? Um, I When I started running for office, I'd, I'd never run before I ran in 2018. I'd never run for any office um, or any election. I only had maybe a dozen, slightly over a dozen followers on social media. I now have over 40,000. If you're on Twitter, come find me. I'm at Tiffany Bond. Um, I started out with myself. I now have over 200 volunteers. So we have actually a a pretty big campaign given that we've spent less than $5,000 so far. So about 200 volunteers. We have folks sending out postcards five or 10 at a time all over the country. Um, We've got phone calls, we've got door knockings. We have two town halls a week that are virtual. I'm on just about any podcast I can get on. I have anywhere between two and 10 campaign events a week. Plus I'm a mom who runs a business. (laughs) So it's, it's, uh, we've been having some pretty busy weeks like lately, but it's, it's, a lot more organized and and a lot more support than I had my first run. And I think the best part of it is on top of investing in communities, we've sort of built one and that's really what campaigns should be. I I hope that whether I win or lose that more people adopt like the, the main raising type of philosophy and we look forward to election season instead of election season being the ads and the the backbiting and not being productive in democracy that it, it just becomes hey, who are we going to help this year and how are we going to make our country better? Yes, I really, really like to hear that. I like to hear that you have that mindset and also that drive and that you're also taking advantage of um, having the community members, individuals around you who support your position, your cause also join you and be able to participate in uplifting your voice and your message. That's a very powerful thing. So I think you're definitely on the right path. And so um, now as we're starting to close in, I guess what's on your radar? Um, well, it's uh, I'm really looking forward to <laughs> post campaign. I'm looking forward to not having an alarm clock on a Saturday. Um, but for the last two weeks, I've got just jam packed with a ton of events, and I'm I'm so excited. Um, I have events starting at 2 a.m. on Saturday, um, but I have events every night this weekend or this week, all through the next weekend, all the way through Election Day. Election Day, I actually get to take it a little um, slow. We're not having a campaign party because it's very likely that this case or this um, that this race will go to ranked choice runoffs. So we probably won't have an election result on Tuesday night. I've had several of the news sources call me and be like, where's your campaign going to be? And I'm like, making meatloaf and tucking my kids in. That's uh, <laughs> what I do on weeknights. Wow. Well, we definitely... We send you all the best as you are in this final stretch. And so for people who want to follow you and support you, where can they find you on social media? Sure, I'm easiest to find on Twitter. I'm at Tiffany Bond. I'm also on Instagram. If you sort of like a break from politics, there's not as much there. Uh, That's at Tiffany L Bond. I have Facebook. It is at Bond, the number four dot, or Bond, the number four M-E. And then the website is Bond, the number four dot M-E. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. That's Tiffany Bond, an attorney who is also a candidate for Maine's 2nd Congressional District. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, 
uh, more conversation with Adrian Lawrence. And this time, I have the Democratic congressional candidate for North Carolina's House District 74. That's Carla Catalande. Thanks so much for joining us, Carla. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. I am Carla Catalande, and I'm running for North Carolina House District 74. Yes, and we are very excited to have you. And I know that you are big when it comes to environmentalism and health. Can you talk about how that is something that you plan to incorporate in your leadership should you take office? Yes, I am very proud of my background. I went to Western Carolina University, got my degree in environmental health. And that really kickstarted my public health journey. I became a public health worker. And we need a voice at the state level who understands the impact of our environment and how that will work with um, how the health of the environment directly impacts human health. Without clean water, we will not survive. Without clean air, we will not survive. And that includes all of the nitty gritty details, like even our sewage. Absolutely, and it seems to be something that is often lost upon a lot of leaders, particularly when maybe they have big businesses in their pockets who are you know, looking to necessarily exploit our environment for their own capital gains. And so when it comes to getting this message out and having people see the value in taking a more environmentalist approach and something that really acknowledges, prepares for, and hopefully if some point addressing climate change, how has that been so far? I would say, in North Carolina's history, we we have made some pretty extraordinary things. Actually, North Carolina sued the Tennessee Valley Authority for polluting air over the Blue Ridge Mountains that came over here. But since that time, I see more and more more and more protections for corporate powers. And in the end, that's not really benefiting the people of North Carolina. No, it doesn't benefit anyone. Um, and all it does is largely put money more in the pockets of powerful people as opposed to serving the everyday people. And in terms of everyday people, can you talk about more about your ties to the area there in North Carolina? Yes, so I grew up uh, here in the district that I am now running to represent. Um, I love her. I had my first car accident here. I went to high school and middle school here, and now I'm raising my own family here. So I grew up here and talking to the folks when I'm knocking on doors, I'm running into my former classmates or their parents even. So it's really nice to see them again and also join together now in this moment in time. So I'm, I'm looking forward to winning and representing the folks that I grew up with that watched me grow up. That's really, really cool to be able to canvas your local neighborhood and see people that you grew up with. And they really watched you kind of come into your own. And as it concerns kind of your evolutionary process, what made you want to go ahead and run for office as a state representative? Well, I, I became a mother and I became a mother uh, 2016 February. And that is when I found out that um, Donald Trump was the Republican presidential nominee. And I felt like I have literally just brought a child into this world and now what? And I felt the whole weight of the the whole country, what could happen and all of my fears, they did come true, right? 
we saw what happened, especially with January 6th and everything. And if good people sit down and just don't do anything, if we don't, regular working class people don't stand up and say, we do not want this, we want better for our families, then then we lose. But it just takes one, um, I suppose it is brave and courageous to put yourself out there, but I'm doing it because I am more concerned about not just my child's future, but also my great-grandchildren's great-grandchildren. What are they gonna look back and say about their grandma, Carla? They're gonna say, we don't know her, or I'm glad that she stood up. Absolutely, uh, I know it has rocked a lot of people in terms of seeing where our society is going. Uh, but making the effort and investing the time to run for office, to provide your leadership skills and your direction, and to ensure that your community is moving in the right direction and making the right investments, that is a very admirable thing. And so I'm very glad to know that you are running for North Carolina's House District 74. And as it concerns that district, uh, give us a little intel on it. Has it generally been blue or is it red? What do things look like? It is purple. And if um, if they would let us vote and our maps got a little bit more fair, then I actually very much believe that our community would be very blue and even be considered progressive, which I know is shocking for the South. Yeah, um, <laughs> it seems to be so, but I know we know a lot of gerrymandering has diluted uh, a lot of the realities in terms of the constituents and what the people want. And so uh, as, in, as it concerns the current race right now, do you have any idea where you stand? Well, I believe I'm doing pretty good. Um, I, well, we are out there, we are knocking doors. I believe it's been over 10,000 doors um, in the primary. That's what that was our primary. Uh, during the primary, we stayed on the doors. Even on election day, we knocked on people's doors and asked them to come out and vote. Um, we stayed out there. I was out there from the, po the polls opening to the polls closing, and I got sunburnt, but it was worth it because I saw people come and uh, be excited to vote, actually. And now I'm doing the same, boots on the ground. I'm a working class person. So hard work isn't, a, I'm not a stranger to it. All right, well in District 74, um, can you tell me what do you think the constituents, what issues are really drivers for them? What folks are telling me that they really want is most importantly, expanding healthcare. So North Carolina does not have expanded healthcare right now. And that is really hard for a lot of working families and particular folks that, um, well, I'll give you an example. I had, and during the primary, a gentleman came to go vote. He is going through chemo and he had to find time in his calendar to go vote and then go back to work. And he was a gas station clerk. And so people are really hurting, especially with big diseases like cancer. It's not fair that we treat our own people so poorly. And I know we can do better. Another thing that's really important is abortion access. I just saw some statistics and it seems that mostly at the moment, Democratic women are voting more. Uh, we have the lead. Let's keep it. 
that would definitely be something that I would want to maintain without a doubt. Because uh, it's incredibly important that we maintain our sense of bodily autonomy as women in the United States. And if you were to be elected, what do you think you would want to accomplish first in your first year? I would want to cast the vote that says yes to expanding healthcare because that's what folks are telling me is the most important to them because it could immediately help them right now and keep families from going into debt and basically ruining their lives. And I will also vote to protect abortion and codify it in our state constitution. And that is really important in North Carolina because we are the last state in the South at the moment. And as goes the South, so does the country. Okay, and so when you say the last state in the South, is it the last state in terms of abortion? Yes, and in terms of abortion access, North Carolina at the moment is the only one that allows abortion access. And doctors are even sending their patients from Tennessee across the state border to get an abortion, life-saving abortions, yeah. Wow, it sounds like North Carolina legislature may have to do something to bolster the social services and other opportunities. Because again, if you do have people who do cross the lines or cross borders, then you're gonna see an influx that you're gonna need to be able to support and be ready for. And so that's something that you need people in office who see that and have the vision for it. And so hopefully you will be among them. And I'm guessing your election will be coming up very soon, is that right? Yes. So. Early voting has started. I've been at the polls today, poll greeting. And November 8th, when the polls close, that's when we find out if this proof of concept and this progressive grassroots campaign, if it's going to work. But I'm pretty hopeful. And it must be pretty exciting as well. Oh, wow. Oh, in these final moments on your way, in terms of closing out your campaign, uh, what's been on the forefront of your mind? Well, I have a lot, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's been, uh, it's been running for office has been wonderful and also challenging. Both my husband and I are working because I'm still working through all of this running for office. What's on my mind is often how can we make running for office more accessible to working class people? Is it is, um, it is a probably 80 hours a week. It's a lot of work. And then working and how are we going to help people? Because I have learned through this process that if we truly want the the things that we say we want, we do need more working class people, people that see it from the weeds and know exactly how to, what, where the, where the cracks are so that people stop falling through them. Um, But it also makes me hopeful for the future because it makes me hopeful for the future because so many people are showing up right here in my community. And then also enjoy converting voters from one side to the other. (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine that's a very rewarding feeling and experience. And so uh, as you continue uh, to continue to fight to get the vote and to get the North Carolina House District 74 spot, where can people find you on social media and online to support your campaign and to follow you? On Twitter, it is at Elect Carla. On Instagram, it is at Elect Carla. And on Facebook, it's Elect Carla. So those are my social media channels. And I was able to, um, I really flew under the radar and grabbed them all up, right? So the website's also electcarla.com. And what we would definitely appreciate right now is 
donations. This is a grassroots campaign. Every single donation has been from regular working class folks. And it all goes to canvassers. It goes to calling people. So we're putting that money to good use. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. That's Democratic congressional candidate for North Carolina House District 74, Carla Catalande.